Greetings ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web series Solo Apocalypse. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 34 My eyes glided across the otherworldly sea of modern man in the closed spaces of a ruin framed by a forest-tinged blue. A space removed and alien, washed with moonlight. Sixth's twilight saber glinted in the twilight, sleek with scarlet blood, a stark contrast against the blue-green black drop of the sleepy wood. My clone had wordlessly taken to the front without any complaint. They were, after all, expendable. It was a good thing that they did. The monsters here were thicker in number, the degree more dangerous. The trap we had found was rather conspicuous ruin, with tall walls and a state of disrepair with a single broken stone gate. In fence, it was so obvious a trap as to instead be a challenge, like we had been prompted by the sleepy wood itself to dare try it. I saw them as shadows first, more fluid, deeper than any others, a minute difference in their shade of black against the shadows of the ruins. They clung to the walls of what might have been a small fort or keep, now covered in blue moss and rubble. Ifrits, Rickson called out before me, it was his search that had initially brought us here, a vague confirmation of something of immense interest, according to him. Apparently, his particular skill had a reliance on perception, wisdom, and intelligence. In the shadows! His perception attribute was high, if not higher than my own after these days of leveling. Get ready, Parker said, just as the shadow shot forward from the walls. The edge of the light from his globe rendered dissuaded the Ifrit's incorporeal form. Instead, he blocked another one of the creatures slipping out from the shadow nearby. Six stabbed the squirming shadow, a violent hiss escaping the pierced ground. Smoke rose up from the edge of the twilight saber, like the barest edge of a ray of sun. Burn. The Ifrit crawled out of the shadow, face twisted in anger. Iavolt. Rose's voice raised beside me, and the bolt of flame was brighter than I remembered. It exploded on another shadow snarling towards one of my other clones. Everyone had at least one offensive or defensive item now, if minor. Parker turned around as a clone warned him of an ifrit, striking the creature in the chest with a pair of chitinous gauntlets that had come from defeating a gloaming scythe. My clone moved in tandem, using an ill-fashioned wooden spear to stab forward between his strikes. It was enough to draw blood, and eventually its death. Rickson had two clones supporting him, taking another Ifrit. did emerge from the shadow nearby, but Rickson and my clones were ready for it, stabbing it with makeshift spears. I would have been happy with Ralph's bows, but this would do in the meantime. Without real weapons, Rickson's idea of spears was ideal. Then Ifrit appeared behind Rose, clawing its way from her shadow. My eyes went from wide as Solo's instinct prompted me. Rose behind! She whirled around. A black claw fell, accompanied by its mining teeth, and rebounded off a barrier of shadow. The Ifrit recoiled as Rose's coal-shade bracelet twinkled. It was enough of a distraction for me to plant my own spear into its neck, driving it to the ground. It struggled, unholy screams filling the quiet woods. Its eyes shot to me, a spark of malicious intelligence. I twisted the weapon, killing it immediately. Black blood dribbled down, and I took a breath, Looking around, three Ifrit corpses and no rewards forthcoming. And this 
was just the outside. So far, everything had been handled as best as we could have. No injuries, no freezing up, no costly mistakes. Just enough to learn. These days, we were working well as a team. My clones acted as a kind of multifunctional glue, filling every role unmanned, or covering every mistake they could. These weren't here when we scouted the place earlier. Parker frowned, kicking an ifrit corpse, one which had been pummeled to the ground after being stabbed down. We never got this close before, Rickson said, studying the ruins. He didn't wear his glasses anymore. They'd broken a while ago, and he claimed that he could actually see better without them now. They might have seen us and went into hiding. It's dangerous, Parker sighed. The cautious demeanor clashed with the black blood splatter across his face. He looked like a mess, but his eyes were constant, unyielding. It's always dangerous, Rose smiled. She perhaps had the same dose of reality as I did. The apocalypse weighed on her, drained the light from her eyes, but propped her back up, steeled the nerves. Rickson shuffled, utterly more confident without the glasses. It's something of incredible value, he said plainly. That's all I'll add. But I could see the eagerness in his posture. All right, or I'll lead, I said, gesturing to my clothes. And we entered the ruins, stepping through the gateway that was missing an arch. Buildings stood to the test of time, some reduced to empty space, others standing tall, the majority between either state. There were fading symbols on every inch of stone, any pattern or meaning lost to the rubble. A bright flash of... Something was our only warning against our enemy. Ahead of us, Seventh was missing an arm, blinking at the limb like it had been instantly cauterized. He screamed, and I powered through the pain to stare at something that I could only describe as a ghost. If it were made of sunlight. They stepped between rays of twilight in some kind of inverted version of the Ifrit's movement, and they had weapons, albeit made of the same sunlight. A sword and shield, a spear, bladed weapons made from the sun, bright enough to blind our adjusted eyes. Run! I yelled, immediately recognizing the new foe. Watch out, Rose! Parker grabbed Rose as her cool shade bracelet flickered again, rebounding a sword strike made of sunlight. Rickson ran after them, calling out ahead. There! He yelled. That building! It was one of the only ones still intact. I was right behind him. One of them swooped down with a scream like a banshee, and I yanked Rickson out the way, into the shadow of the building, staring at the creature. Human features twisted by something, ephemeral as if made of the light itself. It hesitated as we tensed, running, but it didn't move, and I slowed, looking at it, then at the border of the building's shadow. Then it screamed and flew off. I lingered but followed Rickson into the building. What are they? Parker asked, looking through the stone window. He was grimacing, treating a burn across his arm. Their sword burnt me. Rickson was out of breath. The sleepy wood is a haven for creatures of night and dawn, he said, repeating the description of the dungeon, and betting those are the creatures of the dawn. But damn, he's finished slumping. They look like ghosts, said Rose, glancing out the window. Everyone is in slight shock, but for better or worse, they were used to these situations now. Evan, you okay? Parker asked me. I saw they took an arm. I'll be fine, I replied, wincing, idly rubbing the phantom pain of the missing arm. We have a bigger problem. Eighth blinked as his spear went through the creature, 
I rushed down, moving freely in the twilight dimness, and swung for him again. He dodged, their movements wildly projected. It flew right into Ninth's fist and faced through it. End of chapter. Chapter 35 From what I've gathered, most skills are affected in some way by their attributes. Rickson was telling us, looking out of the building's windows. The group had taken to speculating about the system and theorizing how it might function in our free time. The structure used to be some kind of study or warehouse. There was more of those faint symbols on the stone. Tables strewn with diagrams, scrolls and odd containers. Shelves full of oddities and trinkets. Chests and trunks placed against the walls. We'd already been here long enough to confirm relative safety. Power Strike uses my strength and multiplies it by a function of my physical attributes. Parker supplied, looking around the building. That might lend credence to the careful allocation of stat points, Rickson replied. Beyond using them for just the raw effects, I wouldn't mind being physically strong, but the Seeker class revolves around reconnaissance and speed. The skills I have benefit from certain attributes. That's uh, my experience too, I said, distracted. I swiped my finger across the table, coming away with dust. Then my eyes alighted on the diagrams, tracing odd patterns. A brown scroll penned flat, detailing some strange system of symbols, words in a language I didn't comprehend. Rose spoke nearby. I can see them, she said calmly. They're not coming close to the building. They're uh, fighting in the middle. She glanced at me, and I knew why. Parker looked up. Evan, how about your clothes? I answered without turning. Physical attacks don't work on them. The saber's able to cut them, and Rose's fireballs did some damage. They're staying away from patches of deep shadow, like the ones the building costs. As for my clones... Sixth rolled forward, dodging the swooping ghost without glancing back. The twilight saber flickered outwards, and I beheaded one of them. Their body evaporated as a blade passed through their neck, an edge of sharp shadow. Seventh, eighth, and ninth watched from the sidelines, monitoring the fighting and surveying the area. Sixth fought. I stepped forward, twirling my blade, aware of the three other ghosts. They flickered in the twilight, like some optical illusion. One charged at me with a sword of his own, the one that had delimbed Seventh. I glared, watching every moment. There was no cadence to his steps, no indicator of attack. He flickered, then rushed forward gliding across the air with no respect to the ground. He was still swung, though, and the deep shadowed edge of my saber caught his sword. The ghost screamed as my blade rode up his sword with the ringing noise of burning sunlight and beheaded him. It was the third or fourth one that I had killed. Then I got stabbed in the back, burning pain shooting through my chest, literally through my chest. I turned and thrust my own sword into my enemy. The ghost screamed, jerking away. Even knowing where the enemy was, I was too slow. They were faster, more agile, a difference in speed and number, and my sheer awareness couldn't overcome. It was the first time I could so clearly watch a clone die. Sixth, after some time, degenerated into nothing, the same effect of never alone, only as a winking out of existence instead of coming into it. The other clones moved. Back in the building, I found Rose glancing at me, worried. I braced myself against the table and clutching my heart. I took a breath as my other clones worked to recover the saber. Seventh first, as he was already missing an arm. 
the conversation continued as part of me died. They're, uh, the opposite of the Ifrits, Barker grunted, arm resting on his knees. He glanced at his gauntlets, a faint glow to them. I should be able to hit them with these, then. Does it have an effect to do with darkness? Rose asked curiously. Imbued with shadow and sunlight, he replied. My strikes are burning the Ifrits earlier. Then it should work like in my saber, I responded, slightly depleted. That still leaves us with embarrassingly little to retaliate with. And those things come in numbers, I said gravely. It might be safer to leave, Parker said after a moment. That same danger is what makes us level, Rickson played the other side. Yeah, but yeah, we might want to crash out. Whatever's in the middle of this place is protected, and we don't really have the reliable way to fight the ghosts made of literal sunlight. Parker glanced out the window. Are we leaving the dungeon? He asked simply. I glanced around. Everyone here wanted to stay as long as possible, to become stronger. But there was mental fatigue in the group that I saw in their postures. A wariness stemming from the constant alertness. It was in the way Parker's breaths came, the bags under Rickson's eyes, the slouch and weight to Rose's posture. I felt better than I had any right to. These people didn't have my constitution or levels. We'll head back tomorrow. We've stayed here long enough, I looked at Rickson. Whatever's here isn't worth our trouble, not as we are. He nodded without argument. There was some relief in that, knowing that we were leaving. I took the first watch that night. Eighth was my only clone that returned, handing me the Twilight Saber. Every other clone had died. My mind flashed to the images of death, searing wounds and cauterized flesh. The sweet smell of burning meat. I shook my head and renewed the clones, feeding the faint drain of never alone before I fell asleep. I slumbered fitfully, but I managed. The sleeper would didn't exactly have a day and night cycle, just varying degrees of twilight. One was where dawn reigned, brightening the surroundings, and one where dusk dominated, throwing the forest in more shadows than normal. Neither far more from the other. I woke up and found everyone more or less awake, Rickson and Rose inspecting the room. The clones had been quietly surveying the ruins in my sleep, watching each other move, acting as lookouts for the incredibly efficient one-man scouting party, going as far as they could out of plain curiosity. I hadn't seen anything that aligned with Rickson's search. Morning, Rickson said, catching me wake up. Then he looked around. It's weird. The entire existence of these ruins implies some kind of civilization within the sleepy wood. Hey, least, uh, some history to the dungeon itself, which is strange. Rose yawned. I thought this place was just a... Uh, Entirely removed from Earth. I think it is, Rickson replied. This stuff is alien, rather not human-made, he said, picking up a scroll. But that means that this place is static. I stretched, mind coming to speed. Only more reason to treat the system as an unknown, I said, waking up. Is Parker awake? He's outside, Rose responded. We went through the place scavenging. It's all literature, all the like, nothing usual. Right, I said, distracted. I got up and walked over, feeling something faint. It took me a few minutes of moving through the area before I realized that it was a particular aspect of Solar's instinct acting up. Skill. Solar's instinct. You have an innate sense of your immediate surroundings, an uncanny awareness of potential harm, opportunity, and the world around you. Opportunity. It took a moment, picking through the shelves until I found a single tome. 
It didn't appear to me as an item or anything like that. It was just a book. But to my senses, it was like a lighthouse if I focused. I pulled it off the shelf and took a look at it, and found it was all the unintelligible language. I could almost swear the symbols were moving. I rubbed my chin and put it in my bag. Rose and Rickson were staring at me. What? It might be worthwhile. Rickson chuckled. I didn't say anything. Me either. Rose smiled, eyeing the book. What's that one? She asked. Just a hunch, I said, looking out the building. Dim twilight, like every other day so far. Everything was awash in moonlight and the world in a palette of grey-blue. Our conversation was cut short. Barker walked through the door. Hey, are we ready? I don't see a single one of them. We could leave right now. My clones confirmed that. We were out the door within minutes, feet light as we swept through the ruins, tracing our path back, retreating from danger. Clones above as overwatch, eyeing the twilight beams. The bright ghosts weren't the only danger. As we spotted nightmare ifrits roaming around the ruins, along with other monsters. We dealt with them easily, using our spears to keep them at bay, and the clones as an early warning system. They followed us out, but nothing was watching their backs. Outside the ruins, I turned around, suddenly stopping. The cold hand of fear grabbed my spine. Evan, what's wrong? Rose asked me. The relief in her posture froze as she looked at me. What the hell? I said, eyes wide. My arms went limp. My face was pale. What is it? Rickson asked, pulling me forward. We can't waste time here. Let's go. All my clones are dead, I said bluntly. Something's following us. I just died four times, and it had been the most painless I'd ever felt. Somehow, that made it worse. End of chapter. Chapter 36. Solo's instinct warned me just a moment before the ground exploded, and the world was thrown to dust. My head snapped back and something ripped at my flesh, tearing a scream out of my throat. I heard shouting faintly as my head lolled. It took me two seconds to realize my hearing was shot, two more to realize that I was on the ground. I forced my eyes open, seeing double vision. Parker was dragging me away, blood dripping down his forehead. His mouth was open, veins bulging, yelling, and I barely heard it. I followed his gaze and found Brixen racing, scrambling amidst showering soil and debris. Rose stumbled backwards, cool shade bracelet flashing. A veil of shadow around her, stone fell from the sky. Small bursts of fire erupted behind them as I stared at Rose's target. A large, shining figure behind, struggling at the border of the ruins. Rose was unleashing everything she had. I saw Rickson throw away his spear. I kicked out, trying to master my limbs. Parker gazed shot to me, seeing my lucidness. My eyes were locked on the enemy, that being a pure moonlight. Only this creature was no ghost. It looked solid like a dawn and dusk-made flesh, an organic being of twilight. Area boss, twilight elemental, a being of twilight, a creature that exists between dusk and dawn, equilibrium in the moonlight, caught between the ever-bright and ever-shade. It's from its constant shifting, like the phases of the moon. Another boss. It shone in mute reflective radiance, a swarm of sunlight ghosts surrounding it. Its form was fluid flickering between impressions of large beings, monsters, creatures, beasts, and figures I couldn't name. The only thing static was its size, and it was regrettably the size of a large van. I paused, 
organic twilight shifting in the form of some gigantic lizard. A pale blue pallor, a grey of the moon, an intense shiny. I heard the vibration from Parker's shell as he hurled me towards the tree line. I rebounded off the ground, rolling to a stop, and then the ground exploded again, and the force pressed me to the floor, scraping across it like a crash of wave. I was dazed, breathing hard. My back was against a tree trunk. A handful of thinner trees near the tree line completely splintered. Parker lay nearby, unconscious, bleeding. I stared down on my body as Rickson and Rose slid to a stop nearby, getting a shoulder under each other of us. I was a mess. It was the most bloody I'd been. The pain engulfed me. Lances of fire rushed down my flesh, my torso. I didn't burn like fire. It was sharper, colder, somehow softer than frostbite. No less intense. My ears popped and I realized Rose was talking to me. My hearing was back. Okay, Evan, can you hear me? There was a roar in the distance, an answering surge of ghostly wails. Vixen, I don't think he can walk. I tried to speak, but the headache assaulted me. A wave of vertigo, a concussion, I thought idly. Rickson had Parker's arm over his shoulder. There is no time, Rose. Just pull him as best you can. It's a damn area, boss. That thing's guarding whatever the hell is in those ruins. We need to leave the dungeon. Oh my god, oh my god. Rose was panicking, head snapping back to the ruins. He was in the middle of that blast. That thing shot a laser beam at him. I'm surprised he's even alive. Rickson was staring backwards too, shaking, adjusting Parker on his back. Parker was on the edge, and just look at him. Feck! I felt my world turn upside down, and I almost threw up. Okay, I got him. He's lighter than I thought he'd be, came Rose's voice, practically in my ear. I heard Rickson's shaky breath. All right, here goes. Safest route. Follow me, stay close. I blacked out for a few minutes because the next thing I knew we were moving. I hadn't been this close to death since the very first day of the apocalypse. I closed my eyes and wrapped myself in my mind, isolating myself from the physical unpleasantness and regarded it with clinical eyes. I'd taken a hit that should have killed me. That was immediately obvious. Then I would have died if Parker hadn't thrown me from the second blast. My bones weren't broken, but my flesh suffered from those odd burns. I let the pain pass through my mental filter. A sharp pain, more than a stinging heat. Yet, with the characteristic breath of some kind of nerve damage, I floated away from that, towards something else, something new. Something helping me recover. To say that it was foreign entity was intuitively wrong. It was a part of me, like an addition to a whole, no less valid than any of my limbs. Only my symbiote was specialized in one thing only, recovery. It had been working on the injuries I sustained from previous absorbing the clones, minor damage, all things considered, and under the bandages and that first aid effort, those wounds were already healing. But now, I could feel its deliberate motions, the movement of my body's resources. A vague weakness came over me, fueled by my energy source from healthier parts of my body. I wondered how much of this was a symbiote and how much were the raw effects of constitution. I had 27 points in the attribute, a measure of hardiness, endurance, and health, a rough understanding of the attribute. Every point helped me now. The worst part was I couldn't rely on my clones. Anything I made right now would just be as useless as I was, and they would all instantly die back at the ruins. I could only focus on recovery, and so I watched as the symbiote lost to consciousness, 
It felt like tendrils of warmth suffusing my body. I couldn't tell what form the symbiote took within me, whether it spread across my body like some overlaid network, or if it moved within me, or if it was simply diffused into my flesh and bloodstream, or if it did something else entirely. I could experience the effects. The jolt of fear and pain I'd felt had triggered it, I think. It was working overdrive, taking my body into its own hands and molding my recovery. The pain noticeably lessened after the first couple hours. Eventually, I found the strength to open my eyes. It was dim, which was expected. I found Rose nearby. There was a first aid kit between me and Parker. My first aid kit. I vaguely recalled her apologizing in advance. She was tending to Parker, so I rested back, staring at the stars. I laughed a little, then winced, immediately drawing Rose's attention. Evan! Don't move, you just... uh, got burns all over, she said, concerned. Why are you laughing? No reason, I said lightly. I just... uh, a good reminder, I guess, that death is just around the corner. For anyone. I... uh, I used your first aid kit. Sorry about that, Rose said, checking my bandages. I felt like a mummy. I know... I replied. How's Parker? Is he... He's fine. Less damage than you, fortunately. I think he has some kind of skill to mitigate damage. His body's tougher than I should be. She glanced at me, predicting my next question. Rickson's making sure it's not following us. What the hell was it? I groaned, trying to move. A twilight elemental, whatever that means. And, uh, I said, don't move. Rose chided me. You're gonna make it worse. Just, uh, lie down, Evan. She eyed me. It was the right move, leaving. We're not equipped to face an area, boss. Not if there's anything remotely as dangerous as the Root Mother. Stay still. I'm sorry. I just, uh, I feel blind. I finished lamely, stilling. A single perspective is an unknown place. This wasn't how I operated. The speeding of exposure, of not knowing my surroundings, was this how everyone had been navigating the dungeon. It was sobering. If I stay in a place too long, I trailed off. Mind flashing back to the silence building, to the spider, to Horace in the hallway. Relax, Evan. A hand pressed against my chest, forcing my breath to slow. Calm your breathing. It's just another day in hell. I found Rose giving me a small grin. We all get through it. I took a deep inhale and heard the rustling before I sought. I tensed, then immediately relaxed. Rixton broke into the camp silently. His words came softly and directly. It's sticking to the ruins. We definitely woke something up, he said without preamble. He saw me awake and nodded to me. Any idea what happened? I asked him, giving up and propping myself up. We have to have woken it up somehow, he said. It could have just been our presence that triggered it. Maybe the ghosts we killed. It's dangerous, Rose said. Some kind of shape-shifting moon beast more than I'd consider an elemental, Brixen nodded. Is what I would say, if that didn't imply any werewolf, he sighed. It's not a normal monster, that's for sure. If anything we've fought so far even constitutes normal. I'm convinced it's guarding whatever valuables are in that ruin. Rixon gave Rose a pained look, and I extended my sense of my mind. Curious. Telepathy. I think it was easier now that I'd gotten accustomed to the faint frequency of other minds. Before, it had been overwhelming. But here were so few people, I'd had enough time to practice some measure of precision when perceiving the minds of others. I heard his internal monologue. How are we supposed to leave like this? I might be able to make it out myself, but Rose and the rest, not injured like that. If I went for help, could Rose manage? No. I can't leave them. 
Not like this. The thought of actually abandoning the group never crossed his mind, only leaving for help. Not that it had never crossed his mind. I couldn't always be listening. But I didn't peg anyone in this group as the type to do that. Can they move? He asked, Rose. I can! I gasped, reclining back. She frowned at me. Not Evan, at least. She grimaced and I focused on her. Not anytime soon. If we run into anything like this, it'll be bad. I could handle maybe one or two enemies, depending. Ritson doesn't have combat capabilities other than a spear, and he doesn't even have that anymore. This sleepy wood was only sleepy if one convinced themselves it was. There were creatures roaming the twilight everywhere. Not enough for constant harassment, but enough that any lull in the alertness would lead to a potentially fatal encounter. It was only a matter of time before something stumbled upon us. That quiet, unspoken understanding slowly slunk in, and a mood to match the twilight gloom fell over the camp. End of chapter. Chapter 37 I faded in and out of consciousness. General weakness and a natural desire for the body to recover forced me to sleep, to rest. When my original conscious slept, everything else seemed like a dream. Stark points of realism, lucid dreaming, with a vague awareness, everything I did was somehow real. Because it was, actually. I lowered a bow, watching the arrow quiver in the wood, ten feet from my wooden target. I frowned, adjusted, and loosed another arrow. The whistling projectile sunk into the gnarled wood of a nearby root. Closer. I nodded readjusting the way I held the bow and calculated the arc. Elsewhere, I harvested edibles, berries, and fruits growing on the wayside of an enormous roots. The swamp was bountiful if one knew where to look. I'd cultivated some manner of goodwill by bringing foodstuffs from the swamp, showing whoever would listen what was edible and what was not. I was also within the camps, watching the aggressive recruits. Gary, Jack, and the rest had since returned, their presence somewhat stifling the action on the mysterious Blitzer's part. Rumors about the dungeon had been spreading, met with eagerness, fear, and skepticism of equal parts. Some people had entered. No one had stopped them, only warned them of the dangers. The timing was such that I would have seen them days ago. It led me to believe they entered an entirely different sleepywood, or at least a faraway part of it. Even if there had even been anyone equipped to rescue, it looked like it was unfeasible, let alone the obstacle of convincing any group of people I somehow knew there were people in peril within the most hazardous topic of talk around. No one would be willing, not voluntarily. My perspective shifted. I was above, carving a small place high in the canopy to dwell. More exposed, yes, but I hoped the altitude would deter most dangers. It afforded me an overwatch of the entire clearing. I could pinpoint each of myself, the harvester to the north, the archer amongst the semi-permanent buildings, and the observer near the crowd of people mingling around the dungeon and the ruins of the skyscraper. Most people were still scared to approach. Likewise, with a glance upwards and towards the looming trees of the swamp, I could spot myself there, barely a speck amongst the canopy, watching. It was a great way to monitor how the conglomeration of survivors moved. Here, I could see distinct groups, trace my finger and implicit territories each commanded, see the crowds ebb and flow, the foolish, the brave, that tested the edges of the swamp, the few who regularly left and returned, those who didn't. It all happened at a strange remove, a certain awareness of my person that wasn't exactly grasping the danger of my original body, or at least one that didn't feel it. 
an objective worry and logical understanding with no emotional component, efficient but not personal. Right until I opened my eyes to dull pains, staring at dim twilight sky. I groaned, trying to move my body. Stiff, I was covered in camouflage, leaves and branches, really. Enough that I looked like a bush. Why? I didn't immediately see Rose or Rickson, but it didn't take me long to realize Parker was nearby. He was blanketed similar to me, both of us stashed deep in the bush. My physical senses were not the only ones I had at my disposal, however. With constant proximity to others in the dungeon, I'd managed a working understanding of telepathic perception, uninhibited by chaotic nature of hundreds of minds. I reached out with that perception, extending my senses towards that mental frequency, scanning for the cognitive buzzing I'd come to know as other intellects. The working minds of something thinking. I found them quite easily, actually. My gaze followed my mental senses, and I saw they were hidden not too far from where Parker and I were camouflaged. They were hiding, which immediately rang alarm bells. Solo's instinct kicked in, everything crystallizing as I came to a sudden unpleasant certainty. It was in the air, a heaviness, a tangible certainty as much as a presence. The area, boss. It had followed us. Minutes passed. Eternity. Not a single movement. Until... A deliberating sense of dread and danger. I froze, daring to turn my head ever so slightly. Motion. And then, a giant paw made of moonlight descended on the space near my hiding spot. Slow. Soft. But with weight enough to compact the very dirt it landed on. Quiet. I saw Parker, awake and staring at me, between the passing legs of a creature larger at the shoulder than I was tall. Both of us, deathly silent lest any noise draw its attention. His eyes were hard as the twilight and elemental passed through the shrubbery, like a phantom bereft of noise. A shifting figure of moonlight, a beast of twilight, fluid between forms that flickered between light and shadow, sometimes two-legged, other times four-legged, oftentimes caught between. Humanoid, bestial, feathered, scaled, dynamic, every form flowing into the next, creating a smooth, impossible movement across the grass. Hunting. It stopped exactly between all four of us, too perfectly at our center, cocked its head, staring at the moon, then slowly dropping its gaze towards the trees. Uncanny and alien. A creature of the Steepywood, not so much seeing anything, but sensing. Its head snapped right from shifting to something completely new. Its mouth opened, a silver light shining from its maw. Screams! Rickson was already diving away. A firebolt exploded across its face, jerking its aim to the side. An entire tree was obliterated. Wood, splinters, and soil exploded, raining. I saw Rickson get thrown to the side. I propelled myself up on the trunk, getting to my feet, shaking off the camouflage. I could move, painfully, but I could move. The roar threatened to deafen my already ringing ears. More silver light. I went for Parker as my other hands grabbed my twilight saber. Clones forming as I moved. It followed us. Parker grimaced once I found my way to his side. I worked to get his arm over me, situating his weight. God, we need to get out of this fucking dungeon. I cursed. We can't leave them. I'm not, I assured him. An insect stabbed the creature's flank, blade hissing as it entered the moonlit flesh. The elemental screeched, its entire body jerking. Sixth Doctor Seventh ran past, seeing the blow as Seventh did. 
The creature glowed with silver light, head-tracking the latter clone. Eighth whacked it with a branch. It hissed, and the claw that eviscerated Eighth came too fast to track, let alone react. It struggled to reach Six, shifting to strange forms, before a tentacle eventually fouled its way around Six's throat. Ninth dashed forward, grabbing the dropped saber and slashing the tentacled moonlight, releasing the former clone. Ninth hacked and slashed as the creature's flanks, glittering pale blood seeping into the ground. Seventh found Rickson unconscious, bleeding. Rose nearby. Heaven! She growled, tears in her eyes, casting firebolts. It crashed against the flailing creature, eliciting violent thrashing, born of frustration and pain. You're awake! You're awake! She repeated, eyes wide, sparkling in the twilight. Rose! Seventh called, scrambling behind the trunk Rickson had been dragged to. It's all right. Let's get him out of here. I immediately got under him, trying to move him. Quickly now! She nodded, wasting no time, even under pressure. Bless the shield, she mumbled, and I felt something insubstantial pass over me and Rickson. That was new. We don't even know the way back. Rickson's the one who... I've got a good memory, I interrupted her. Let's go. Sixth and ninth, on now another eighth harried the beast. Physical attacks worked to extinct. But the only real damage came from the twilight saber and Rose's firebolt. And even then, it was minute. This was a creature that sheer stats couldn't match. I needed a weapon, a skill, anything, than just bodies to throw against it. An enemy that could kill me instantly if my attention lapsed. Seventh met up with my original self and Parker, Rose and Rickson in tow. What even happened? I asked. Rickson was clearing out tracks and he ran back to the camp, telling me something was following. We thought that it was roaming the area, but it was somehow heading straight for us. We picked up a pace for hours. I don't know. Rickson's skills are... We, we couldn't run. Our best bet was to hide, and both of you were unconscious, she said breathily, grimacing. The rest. It was then I noticed the dog bags under her eyes, the fatigue etched into her posture. Her expression was in every other inch of her. How long had I been asleep? Something was wrong. How long had we? The beast screamed, and I was at least thankful it killed fast. I groaned, dizzy. I checked my status and stared at the precious stat points and dumped them across my physical stats. The dizziness rescended, my vision became sharper, and I stared backward. I stepped away from a new sixth, who immediately went to support Rickson. Fatigue fell over me, more than my new weary body, one born from excessive use of never alone. Eighth and ninth died too, a blast of silver energy that burned for a single moment for a terrible agony. I made them again, the new clones, walking to my left and right, stepping away from the original, and then I sent myself to die. Rose and Parker saw them start running, wordlessly, two more Evans into the fray, towards the beast, who, in its frenzy, seemed to have lost our position. I could still see it through the tree line, too close for comfort. The clones had their task. They looked at me in askance, a question on Rose's face, the answer in Parker's jaw set. Distractions, the man said making a solemn face. I nodded, glancing towards the area, boss. Rickson said that we were close to the exit, Rose said, exhausted. I thought I recognized where we were. The sleepy wood wasn't completely monotonous. There were as enough wispy trees, flower beds, and odd plants, or other stone formations to be noted as landmarks. We were not far at all. I stared at Rose, something not adding up. We were farther along than we should be. How long were we unconscious? I asked, gaze heavy. 
She slumped. Two days, she said, tearing up. My heart froze as it all came crashing down. The perspective on my clones outside the dungeon. The timeline asserting itself. Two days, she repeated. Parker inhaled. What? That's... I unwrapped a bandage of my arm, slowly, with mounting dread. Where burns should be, I found pink flesh. Bruises that were in the process of healing, aches and dull pain, scabbing where the injury and wounds should have been fresh and stinging. Alone. They'd done it. Alone. For two whole days. Protecting two unconscious people. They could have abandoned us. They should have. I stared at Rickson, limp, and found his body entirely relaxed. A certain restful peace on his face, breathing lightly, bags under his eyes too. Parker, can you stand? I asked, gazing at Rose and Rickson. These two fools. He took her to his own feet, and I got the look of his injuries. He hadn't healed as much as I had, nowhere close, but he'd been better off from the start. He stared at me with determination, tense, but standing. I nodded. With my clones, we could do it. One last stretch, Rose. After that, I'll build you a damn bed and the whole house with it. Uh, you and Rickson. The moment we started running, our moonlight adversary howled into the gloom. End of chapter. Chapter 38. The howl was piercing. It shook bone and rattled the twilight sky. A shimmering of light in the air. A blanket of something falling over the forest. The woods became altogether dim, sinking deeper into the equilibrium of light and shadow. Suddenly, awake. The first glowing scythe appeared from the tree line, peeling away from its natural, mottled, a firebolt slamming into it, setting it on fire, stronger and brighter than I remembered, hotter. It practically exploded. That was just the first, a slew of enemies, as if lethargy began to converge. I spotted them throughout the tree line. Bloom tigers, scythes, moving cautiously, sunlight wraiths, flickering like beacons between the trees, wailing causing creatures of the dark to flinch and those of the light to gather. Shadows lengthened as we were pursued. The entire wood under the richer twilight, a stark contrast between dawn and dusk, and the odd flora of the forest seemed more vibrant, seeming to drink in the moonlight, thriving. Our hurried pace trampled them, our rushed feet loud amongst the muted noise. It wasn't so much that it was silent, but rather that it was a pregnant quiet filled the air, the sound of breathing, footsteps, and the rustling of the passing was too loud. We had nothing, no weapons, no way to fight beyond the exhausted Rose and the injured Parker. I could handle a random stray, but that wasn't realistic for the horde of enemies we faced. So we ran, dodging between an enclosing net of enemies only I could see. A suffocating blanket of monsters, born of the sleepy wood, lying in wait, creeping up on us. Someone less aware would have led us right into the poised six-legged tigers prowling the canopy. The bladed creatures pressed against the trunks and the lesser creatures and hazards, obstacles in our path. The pace we set was faster than we'd normally dare. We didn't have a choice. The roar was like a physical thing. A pressure on our backs. It sent creatures in the canopy into a frenzy. Winged figures taken to the sky, higher than the tops of the trees. Things answered back, alien sounds, the uncanny noise-making of denizens of a silent forest. 
My back itched and my eyes of the shadow rushing me. The Ifrit didn't even have time to fully emerge from its shadow before my foot collided with its face, snapping its neck. I'd learned that that was their most vulnerable. A clone broke away and forced another one back with his feet, releasing Rose and Rixen from danger. Rose turned, readying her magic. Save your strength, I told her, bearing much better than her. She was dead on her feet, but with dogged determination. She didn't even bother to respond, only listened and pulled away. Watch out, Parker yelled, and his fist collided with a screaming ghost of sunlight. A flicker of shadow upon these gauntlets made manifest, enough to touch the ephemeral nature of the wraith. We're not outrunning these, Evan. We have to, I yelled back, looking up. A tiger leapt from the canopy, but I was ready. A common foe, dangerous, and much more unsettling than one's normal idea of a tiger. I was faster than it was, ready for its attack. So when it fell upon me, I was already shifting, and my elbow cracked its skull. It fell to the floor, limp. Parker was there, power strike. Its head exploded in blue blood. I looked at Rose, helping Rickson along with Sick. Seventh caught back up to us. She was too tired. I grimaced. Let me take him, Rose. You just stay on your feet. We never had a moment's rest. The forest leaned on us, breathing down our necks, enraged. Why had the thing left the ruins? It was sending everything it had heard, its roars, into a frenzy. Eighth and ninth tracked it, grabbing the twilight saber and running. It was bleeding silver light, a trail of silver buds where the life flowed. Blossomed flowers reaching towards the twilight. The clones harvested them curiously, a swish of the saber netting some cuttings. Eighth and ninth followed the creature, tracking its progress. It had a slow, strange pace blowing into forms, taking a number of steps before the moonlight shifted and it was walking between the trees as something else, enraged. It was faster than we were. The two clones weren't undetected, but both had enough independent movement to stay out of trouble. The same couldn't be said for us. Through them, I watched the creature move in absolute silence, but with deadly speed. This was how it had killed my clones so easily, without alerting a single one. Speed and silence amidst close quarters of ruins. Its shifting forms were lethality in motion. If it wasn't for my clones keeping an eye on it, it would have snuck up on us again, although it seemed enraged, giving up the pretext of self. We had bitten off more than we could chew. We had overstayed our welcome, got cocky, and now there was a price to pay. It was something that we all knew could happen, and we had moved to avoid it in that last moments. Too late, evidently. Twenty minutes later, the howl was enough to shake our bones. It changed depending on its form. Sometimes deep, sometimes screeching, but always with that inexplicable quality of moonlight. That pale chill. I turned and saw it flowing between the trees. The bright silhouette of moonlight and... The line of silvered blight sheared a tree widthwise, and the cracking of timber and falling leaves shocking us with the sheer volume. Then the trunk exploded in a painfully familiar explosion of splinters. I shielded my face, but the debris exploded outward. I ducked as I felt the explosion of another tree, a silver flash of my light. Streams of silver light, another one exploded to the left, an orb of silver, the ground erupting. It's on us, Parker yelled as the beast of twilight blasted through a tree, taking the form of some spiked plated creature. The elemental charged us, a deep, glutteral roar. It tore through the forest like a machine. 
no longer adopting a lithe warmth. It rammed into the tree hard enough to shake the entire canopy at the ground. The silver light appeared again as it opened its mouth. Get down, Parker! I screamed at him as the beam of light ripped overhead. He dove to the floor as another tree exploded. Eighth, catching up, tried to stab it in the face with the twilight saber, but found the organic moonlight hard, like the plated creature had just that. It had manifested actual armor. The sword rebounded and it swatted Eighth with a blunt tail, breaking ribs and knocking him painfully to the side. Ninth ran forward, taking his pace. Its form shifted and a flash of moonlight sent Ninth's head rolling, too quick to glimpse. The aftermatch of a scythe. I grimaced as Firebolt struck the creature, distracting it. It roared, shaking the flames off the hide and face. It destroyed another tree, trampled the ground, and charged Rose. I had to pull Rixon away far from the stage. Rose, get out of the way, I screamed, carrying Rixon off. I could only watch as the beast was tackled by Parker. No, not tackled, rammed, intercepted like a missile. The creature bent and point Parker struck it, violently arresting its momentum. Rose screamed. I didn't realize it at that moment, but at the same point, I'd gone partially deaf again. Parker's face was twisted into something I could only classify as a battle cry. Veins on his neck pronounced, muscles flexed. His entire body was glistening with sweat or blood. I realized the man was screaming at the top of his lungs, hair caked with grime. Rallying cry! Battle rage! A mental voice said booming I couldn't have missed it. Raw, exhausted, and full of wrath. I heard it then, a dull, muted, but enough to send a shock down my spine. It was undeniably his skill. It was Parker, shouting. I didn't know what the hell it did. All I knew was I could move easier. A surge of stamina and strength. I saw Parker's wild eyes jump to us, rose an eye. That face, I knew exactly what he intended, what he wanted. Emotion bubbled up within my depths, so unexpected. I had to regard it for a full half moment before deciphering it. I burst my lips, annoyance. Why were these people risking so much? I stared at Rickson, unconscious, rose, beyond exhausted. They'd struggled two whole days with dead weight around their neck. And Parker, the fool! was trying to sacrifice himself. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon, WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.